Hi, I'm Itesha Jeff, and I am a mindfulness and meditation practitioner, author, as well as an inspirational speaker. And this is In Conversation with the Masters. And in this series, I will be in conversation with open-minded, open-hearted, and conscious living people from across the globe who will be answering some of life's most profound questions. And today, I have the privilege of having a conversation with Thiru Yamilia Naidu. Thiru, thank you so much for making time to have a conversation with us this morning. Thank you so much, Kitesh. Very glad and very honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. No, I just want to share with you guys a little bit about Thiru. Thiru has more than 10 years of experience as a finance director and has led and has actually led finance teams in excess of 400 people. Thiru is an emotional intelligence coach, as well as a strength and intuitive coach. And she's also a channel and energy healer. And Thiru uses these tools as a means to empower individuals. And she does this by really challenging their thought patterns and perceived limitations which enables them to live to their maximum potential. Thiru, did I get that right? Did I miss out anything that you do? You are perfect. You are perfect. Thank you. Excellent, excellent. Now, Thiru, you are the first person to share uh, a gift with our listeners and our viewers. So you have mentioned that you want to give away one uh, session with you to have a, um, what did you say that you want to give away? Was it a challenging I said, session, uh, correct? That I would offer a free channeling session, yes. Yes, yes and, and this is worth 1,250 Rand, correct? So yep. this is how we're going to give it away, right? We're going to be having this conversation. And then at the end of uh, the hour, we will ask a question based on something that we spoke about. Right? Awesome. Perfect. So... Uh, the person has to watch the entire, uh, the entire interview in order to answer the question. And we will make up the question at the end. Thiru, are you ready yes, to get going? I'm so excited. <laughs> yes, I'm so <Okay>. excited. <laughs> so Thiru, when I first heard the word psychology, I thought mm -hmm. that it meant the study of the mind. And, I'm think, and, I'm, and I also think that most people, when they think psychology, they think, okay, I'm going to study about the mind and how the mind works. But really, the word psych actually translates to soul, which is rather interesting. But I know that they use the word soul because back in the day, soul was understood actually as really consciousness or the unconscious or the subconscious or spirit. Now, despite the fact that so many spiritual texts and masters have made a reference to the soul, we know very little about the soul. Do we all have a soul? Or some might say that we don't have a soul, but we are a soul. But I have so many questions about the soul. But let's start with what your understanding is about the soul. Because you mentioned... In, in passing that, you know, we are really spiritual beings. And I'm guessing that has to do mm. something with the soul. So what is, mm. Mm. what is the soul? What do you understand by soul? 
So I live by the proverb that we are spiritual beings having a human experience mm. and not human beings having a spiritual experience. Okay. And that in itself, uh, you know, talks to the fact that we start off as a soul. And, you know, as I'm talking to you, I'm giving the image of a baby being born. So when we're born, we come in here, not fully understanding what we're going to expect, but we come into this life from somewhere with an energy source within us already. From the moment uh, the egg starts splitting into the cells in the mother's body, there's an energy life that goes within it. That is the soul. And we come in fully embracing that energy and trusting the process. And we come in knowing that we have that energy within us always. Somehow, once we're born, we go through a bit of amnesia. And as we grow in life, we lose touch with that connection to that soul, that innate knowing. A lot more children these days are keeping that connection, but um, in previous times, as we got past the age of seven, eight, as the ego forms in the body, that connection just gets a bit shadier. And what happens is we go through life because we went to experience life with this amnesia. When we're gonna die, when we die eventually, when we get to that point of crossing back, you know, you hear a lot of instances of people that have visions of past loved ones, of angels, etc. In that moment, just before we cross, we're again reconnecting with the innate strong strength of that energy, that infinite energy, which is the soul. And in that moment, again, we're fully trusting this energy and the energetic beings that come across to help us. So I find it very interesting that between birth and death, we have this amnesia purely to enjoy the experience of human life and to enjoy the experience of remembering that innate light and soul energy. But in those two fundamental key moments in our life, we are so intrinsically connected with that soul energy and we just trust the process and go forward. So to answer your question in a very lengthy way, yes, I believe that we each have a soul. I believe that it's infinite energy and infinite soul. And we forget a portion of that connection as we go through life to experience the joys of remembering again. So it is said in the Bible, and I am not affiliated with, with any religion. I have uh, really detached from, from all religions because the word religion means to bind. And I like to be free. And I don't like to be put like in the box. And if it works for some people, that's great. But the reason that I'm saying that is, is because in the Bible, it does say that God created us in, in his image. Is that to mean the physical body or is that really the soul, do you think, that uh, they are making reference to in the Bible? I believe it's mind, body, spirit. It's a whole so thing. I believe it's the whole thing. Right. And um, I believe, um, so I buy in, I watched a couple of your interviews. So like David Grood, I also share the belief in that there's higher dimensional beings out in the universe. And I believe that some of them actually have different physical forms. But I believe that 
in essence, all beings have mind, body, spirit form, right? Mm. And, and I believe that the reason it's said, and again, I'm not affiliated to any religion like you, I'm spiritual, I believe in all of them. Mm. Um, I believe my interpretation of that saying is that God is saying that we are him or her, because God is masculine and female in my view, okay? Mm. We are him or her, and we're just like you would see when you put a white light through a prism and the fractals of light that splits it into the different colors of the rainbow. That's referred mm. to distortion. So all we are is the imprint of God that's slightly distorted to look a little different so that we can have a different experience and we can then enrich the source with this knowledge of this beautiful experience. That's the purpose we all serve. That's what I believe. Mm. It's interesting you say that... Um about the prism because it's a really good analogy and I really love it. But it also makes me think about how people like to sometimes show off with their aura. You know, my aura is red or green or it's like shimmering with all these kinds of colors. But really, you know, those colors are not what you should be aspiring towards you should be wanting to have an aura that is white because white is the essence of where we come from is that right so i share a slightly different view yes. um so i believe in reincarnation mm -hmm. and i believe that in each life we're meant to experience different perspectives mm -hmm. of experiences so to to build on that analogy again um so if I was a um, blue light in the last life, I meant to be an orange light in this life so that I can experience a different perspective of the full composite of vibrational energy within the white light, okay? Yeah. Because each experience brings a different wisdom and joy, et cetera, et cetera, all the emotions that you could name. And each experience in each of those light vibrational spaces or states enables the full source to just get richer and richer and richer with wisdom and knowledge and knowing and experience. And it just becomes a more beautiful, vibrant energy that then gets to be shared in everyone that's collected, that's in the connective consciousness. You know, um, It's the same um, about this that's going on at this moment in time, hashtag Black Lives Matter. It's, it's a very important reminder that despite the various shades of our skin, to the point of where we started in this conversation, we all come from one infinite energetic form. But each life is meant to be a different perspective and a different understanding. Why? Because a different perspective gains, you know, provides wisdom. Yeah. And that wisdom connects us back to that infinite wisdom, which is the infinite source and the infinite power that we each are. As you are talking, I'm just thinking that, can you imagine if we all were the same? I looked exactly like you, the same hairstyle, the same specs, you know, the same smile, the same everything. How boring would that be? I think that we have that God, whatever that is be, uh, the creator, made us to be different, black and white and yellow and all types of these colors. 
so that we could learn to love each other in spite of all the differences that we have. And I'm also getting this idea. I mean, you mentioned the rainbow. It's like the rainbow is, if you look at a white light, it's not, I don't think it is as really beautiful as looking at a rainbow. So there's such beauty in the diversity of life. And, um, you know, the, all of the differences are there for us to actually open up our heart and find love and to see that, hey, this person is actually beyond this color, but I can still appreciate and value this person who's a Christian, who's a Muslim, who's a Jew, who's black, who's white, who's, you know, whatever it is. Yes, yes. And um, just to be a bit cheeky, I mean, if everyone looks the same, can you imagine when it comes to being intimate? It's like that takes <laughs> self-love to a whole different level. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> oh my word, yes. But that would be rather interesting though. I wonder what a world would, would actually be like because, you know, uh, actually a friend of mine shared with me the other day, nowadays uh, in the world that we're living in, now we wear, you know, these masks as we are Mask. going out. Mm. How do, I mean, everybody now kind of looks the same if you think about it. Mm. So mm. how do you actually fall in love, you know, uh, with the, the other mm. person? So surely maybe it might actually be better for us if you're all the same because then we would actually want to make a real, a, real, a real connection with the other person and really find mm. out about them because you can't just say, okay, mm. I'm looking at this person and I want to be with them because they look good. You would actually have to make an effort to reach out to them to connect. That would be an interesting word. So how, how harmonic is that though, right? To stay on that trail of thought because if we all have mass, you're right. We, firstly, we can't really see what's being said, right? So we have to rely a lot on body language and we have to rely on expression of eyes. But more importantly, there's something about having the mask on that forces us to your point, to build on it, that forces us to take an interest in each other's differences, in each other's uniqueness. Because if you can't, if everyone looks the same, same, yeah. you, to your point of how do you fall in love, you're gonna to have to fall in love with the thing that's unique in the other person that actually resonates with you. And in order to find that out, you're gonna to have to take the time. You know, it's, not, it's no longer the era of just sitting blankly with your social media in front of you and not connecting socially and not interacting socially. If anything, whilst we have social distancing, yes, people are forced to use technology more. Yeah. But once you're out in the open and you still have to use your mask, there's a different type of social dynamic that goes on where people have to become more attentive because firstly, the mask muscles the sound. Yes. And you find you naturally start reading more body language and you naturally start taking an, an, a more interested view in the person that you're engaging with. Yes. So it's, um, it's very harmonic. Yeah, these are real interesting times that we are living in. You know, and... And also just to add on what you shared, you know, it's, yeah, we have to feel more. We have to be more present. We have to really, we have to really be more present in that we have to listen because as you said, we can't hear the person. So we can't be, you know, busy on our phones while the other person is talking. If we want to really listen to the other person or hear the other person, we have to be present and listen, you know, to what the other person is saying, but also, you know, feeling more because, yeah. You and I both know that the work that we do 
it's all based on feeling. It's just feeling, trying to connect with the other person. So in, instead of just looking at the person, whether they look really beautiful or not, now you're trying to feel this other person and seeing, yeah. you know, you're trying to engage. In fact, now we are opening up our third eye, really. Everyone's forced to open up their third eye because they need to feel, they need to be much more intuitive and pick up whether this is a you know, safe person, not safe person, somebody that I want to engage with, not engage with. And the eyes are the windows to the so, Exactly. And if you allow me to give um, a sort of a, a bigger perspective, because I love yes, thinking yes, bigger yes. picture. Um, yes. So, you know, in the world, there's been a dominance of what they refer to as masculine energy, but essentially it's the doing it's the achieving, it's the measuring yourself towards goals and, you know, all of that. So it's the tangible getting in the trenches and actually wading through the mud kind of thing. And the challenge is as human beings, we're meant to be balanced between the doing and the creativity and the going with the flow and the acceptance and the trusting, right? And what's actually happened with COVID is, um, so if you look at it, it's masculine and feminine energy. And what's happened with COVID is there's been um, a very impactful halt to the doing and that masculine energy. And inadvertently, people have had to get in touch with their creativity, the things that make their hearts tick, you know, the things they're passionate about. And inadvertently, what's happened, H, is that the feminine flow, the energy of feminine healing has come mm -hmm. through each being and they inadvertently have been embodying this a lot more so in the process what's happening is there's a more balance uh, of energy that's going on within every being on this planet because you know even as david mentioned the, the vibration of the planet is rising there's a need for people to be more holistic and more aligned between mind body and spirit so how often do you hear people talking about oh i've baked for the first time or I've done something that I wouldn't have normally done, you know, for the first time during COVID. Mm. And it's all coming back to this fact that it's the feminine energy that's flowing in for the bigger plan of, of healing, for the bigger plan of balancing human beings holistically. And what happens is you can't heal if you've got uh, a deep wound that's bleeding and, you know, it's, it's letting out all your energy. So yes. as a result, those wounds are coming to the surface as well. So, you know, the blessed soul that lost his life, that left such an impact on the world now in terms of um, hashtag Black Lives Matter, he, he blessed us with a reminder of how important all lives are. And, you know, it, it's just another example of something that's having to come up for healing um, whilst this energy dynamic shifts from being predominantly masculine and doing to also now accepting the trust and the creativity and embodying the wholeness that each one is. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, yes. It does. It does. I think, yeah, I think things are shifting now in the world that we live in, in this, in this year at least. But I just don't feel like there is a shift happening. I believe something is happening now in this time, in the last few months. But I just struggle to believe that there are these shifts happening in the world. Because I don't see it. 
you know, for me, I'm, I'm looking in, at the world and I'm just trying to really observe what is happening with humankind. And I cannot see this shift happening. I'm not even really feeling it. And I hear a lot of people talking about how the world, the entire universe is going through a shift. But I don't see it because if I go onto YouTube and I read all of the comments there, people are just fighting with each other and having this real useless, real, real useless conversations with each other. Uh, I mean, in the past, I even had this conversation with another friend that even walking, if you're walking in a mall and you have to cross somebody, even though you're going to be so close to them, well, in the past, when you're passing by, the person would not even look at you. They would either look down or even look up. They would, we don't even acknowledge our presence to each other. It's, it's as if, you know, this, uh, there was really something wrong with each other. So I don't see the evolution. I don't see the spiritual evolution. I see the technological evolution. I see that like, uh, really expanding. But how do you think that we are spiritually evolving? What's happening inside so, of us? So my journey has led me to, I, I was on the page where I thought everyone was meant to be um, spiritual in that, you know, they were meant to almost be monk-like and um, be very focused and dedicated towards the infinite energy and force, etc. And And my journey has revealed to me that actually it's not about that. It's about every being to the point, our earlier conversation of different fractals of light and different colors. Mm. It's about every being fully embracing who they are within themselves. It does not mean that they have a right to overcome someone else's free will and cause any harm to anyone else in that process. It does mean that they have a right to fully embrace who they are. So let me give you an example. Um, I have clients from all over the world. And I find that globally, people are much more susceptible and open to the reality that they're souls, that they're intangible with a tangible physical body. Mm. And um, so one of my clients, a young gentleman, um, reached out to me for a channeling session and he knew in his gut that he was meant to work, to make a lot of money. And he knew that he needed to help people, but he couldn't get himself to be centered with that, that knowing that he is meant to make a lot of money because he was torn between maybe it's wrong to make mm. a lot of money in this lifetime, you know, because a lot of people perceive spirituality and money don't go together. And actually that's a whole lesson in itself. Um, they actually do. So my channeling revealed that actually he is, his destiny is, make, is meant to make oodles of money because that's who he is. That's who his innate power is. That's what he's meant to do when he's fully standing in his power. And when he does so, he's already got the threads that are coming to him in instinct, saying he's meant to help other young guys that are coming up in business and teach them and nurture them and show them that you can trust others. So that, um, you know, people come fully into their own power. So to come back to your question, there is shift, but it's not, you know, if you're thinking it's going to be a whole lot of people are going to meditate and be quite Zen-like and um, yeah. that's not what it's meant to be. It's about standing fully in each of our uniqueness and at the same time being, so being fully healed 
And at the same time, then learning to appreciate the deliciousness of the diversity in each one of us standing in that uniqueness, because that's the full spectrum of the rainbow that's coming to play and coming into power. What I find really interesting, and that makes me go, oh, no, is when people say, you know what, we are going through the shift right now in the world. And if you are feeling tired or sleepy or angry or really emotional, it's because the shift is happening. And I'm sitting here sipping my tea and going, what are these people talking about? Because I don't feel anything. And, and this is coming from me, a person who spends a lot of time in meditation, a lot of time trying to feel. And all of these people are going, you know, you guys must be feeling really sleepy today because the last 48 hours there was this, you know, this, this uh, portal opened up somewhere in the galaxy. And, uh, you, you know, now, <laughs> I'm sorry if you also say those kind of things. I don't know if you do. But uh, do you also say those kind of things? Or do you feel, that if, is, is it like real for you to feel those things? Do you no, feel that? No, it's not. Um, <laughs> it's not because everyone's journey is very unique, right? Yeah. So it just depends on where you are in your life. And that's, you know, that point in time, what you're meant to focus on. So they, I mean, you know, I love astrology and I love, uh, I've got a lot of good, astro really good uh, friends that study astrology and work with astrology. And often you find, uh, messages coming through that talk about um, the retrograde, um, etc., um, and and how it's going to impact you. And like you know, Saturn recently was in retrograde and all of that. And yeah, so it does impact some people because according to their astrological birth chart, they are going to be impacted more heavily. Me personally, a Saturn retrograde. I was born under a Saturn retrograde. So when Saturn retrograde, yay, okay, perfect. It's my playing field. I'm used to it. Mm -hmm. I am able to navigate because that's what my life's been about. So, you know, different situations impact people differently because everyone's journey is unique. And everyone's, you know, it's only when they're ready to go through certain shifts that it will come to them. And that's when they'll experience it. So uh, the generalization rule, you're right. Uh, I don't share that view. Um, yes. It, it's not it's not a blanket uh, sort of shift yeah. that impacts everyone exactly the same way. Um, you do find empaths that are very sensitive to the collective energy, um, and healers generally are, and um, light yeah. workers generally are. They tend to feel more of the collective energy and energetic impact. It's very important for empaths to step back and say, "Is this mine, or is this someone else's?" And from that answer to that question, then determine whether it's theirs and what work they need to do, or if it's someone else's, to clear the energy, set up boundaries, and then do what healing they need to do for the collective accordingly. Yeah. I think, I think people like to be victims also, or they like somebody mm. to provide some sort of reason as to why they are feeling tired or sleepy or angry or really mm. emotional. Mm. Oh, it's just you know, this mm. thing happening with the planets. Oh, this planet now. Mm is in retrograde. Oh, so it's because the planet is doing this. So this is why I'm feeling like that. People don't like to take responsibility for their lives. So yeah, so I need to come in there because it, it ties in yes. with your point earlier about not seeing the world shift. Um, people are still very much in the phase of externalizing that stuff. So to your point, don't take responsibility for their lives. Um, you know, they still want to blame or oh, it's COVID or 
yeah. you know, the ESCOMs cut the electricity, so I don't have whatever I need. I can't do whatever I need right now. And, and it's natural. I'm not, I'm not mocking it. Yeah. You know, I'm an emotional intelligence mm-hmm. coach. It's a natural uh, fear Absolutely. that people have because when they stop blaming, they need to then look and face their shadows within, right? They need to look at how they've brought situations to be. Mm. And that takes a crap load of courage, excuse the language, yeah. um, because you need to be extremely brave. They say the definition of intelligence is being able to observe yourself without judging mm. yourself, mm. right? So having the, the strength of mindfulness to be able to observe all your shadows and not judge yourself. And when you do that, you actually start realizing that life is actually happening for you. It's not happening to you, it's happening for you. To bring up stuff that triggers you so that you can look within and say, hey, why is this situation triggering me? And why is it not triggering Hitesh Agef, as an example? What is it within my belief system, within my thinking, that is causing me to be upset? Where's my emotional scars and wounds? And how can I heal that? That's actually what needs to happen. But it takes beautiful courage from everyone to actually sit down and think, hey, it's actually got nothing to do with my neighbor's dogs when they bark incessantly that I'm not sleeping. There's something else going on in my space I, that I need to surrender to and work through so that maybe I move into another room or do something else. I speak to the neighbor, but something needs to happen in my space that I need to reflect on. What is causing the situation around me to trigger this emotion what's with this emotion how do i figure it out how do i feel right there's a lot to think about there i think we have to just pause i think whoever's watching those so just even listening has to pause because my mind is just needs to sit with this for a while so i'm just gonna let that to sit one side and i want to talk a little bit about purpose we all come into this world with some kind of purpose. Well, that is what everybody shares. And uh, I've also been, you know, preaching or teaching that, you know, everybody has a purpose. If you come here and we have to do something. Mm. But recently, I've really moved away from that kind of thinking. That you don't have to have some grand purpose and some big thing that you have to do and you don't have some job to do here. What if the purpose of your life was just to be present in this moment, nothing else? Like I believe that my purpose of my life is to be having this conversation with you. I'm talking about the purpose of my whole life is to be having this conversation with you. It's whatever I'm doing in this moment. And when I, I just feel that, you know, we are chasing things so much, just running after this, you know, trying to achieve this goal and that, and, which is nice. It's nice. It, it, look, if you have a goal, it gives you a reason to, to want to wake up in the morning. It's nice to have some kind of activity to do. But do you really believe that the soul comes with the purpose? Or do you think it's just a heart, a heart's desire? What do you think it is? Do, do you think that we have to come in here and we have a purpose to fulfill? Is it our karma, our dharma? 
I, I do believe that we come in with a purpose. Why? To go back to your initial question that we are soul. And soul knows that we're unity and that we're oneness. So there's a natural magnetic pull from soul within us to want to do things to help others. And you find that, you know, you could have a miserable day, but if you stop in, in the end of your day and help someone just out of the blue, it energizes you. And that talks to the fundamental building block within us, which is our soul, and that we come from unity and we come from oneness. However, on the purpose, again, in my journey as well, I learned, you know, you, when you don't fully know your purpose, you go looking outside to mm. find your purpose and hoping that that's going to give you some sparks and wisdom and you're going to get it and you're suddenly going to, aha, that's my purpose. What I've learned in my journey is your purpose is your path. Your purpose is your pain that you feel on your path, and your purpose is the beauty of healing through that pain. So let me give an example to explain that. One of my clients, um, her brother uh, was a drug addict, and um, she, she really struggled, at, you know, as loved him immensely and struggled as she went through the experience of his addiction and eventually his passing. And it was extremely painful for her. And um, she felt very lost because they were very close. And she said to me, you know, how am I going to live without him? How am I going to carry on without him? Because he was my rock. And it came through very clearly in the channeling that he actually hasn't left her. He's just transitioned from physical form to energetic form again. And he was always with her. But here's the beauty of this purpose conversation. Her purpose actually sits in coaching and helping other people and other families that are struggling with addiction. Her purpose sits in helping the wounded heal through addiction and helping them overcome and help families overcome the trauma associated with the loss of people that have passed away through addiction. So that's what I mean about our purpose sits in our journey and the pain in our journey and that we know what we overcome in our journey. That's actually why we're here, because that purpose is directly linked to our heart. And our journey contributes to our uniqueness. So we're meant to offer from our journey, which is why you, you were so passionate about engaging with spiritual-minded people and bringing this beautiful knowledge. It's, I don't know you completely from the time you were a child, but I get a strong sense you've always been looking to share wisdom. As soon as you got it, you wanted to share it, right? Yeah. It's your journey. It's who you are. It's something innately within you it's who you were made up to be from the time we were born that is your purpose just embracing your power and your energy fully is your purpose and being comfortable to give the world what you believe in and what you're passionate about is your purpose mm. but how does one find their purpose because i've been i've been given clues when I sit back and I meditate and I think about my life over the last uh, many years, that I could see how things that I was actually doing when I was 10 or 13 or 14 were all giving me clues as to what I actually need to do with my life. But is there any other way that we can really discover our purpose, what we are meant to do? Because that's the number one question I get all the time. What is my purpose? What am I meant to do here? That's the number one question. I'm sure that for you as well. What mm -hmm. am I doing here? What am I supposed to do? 
Yeah, and I've lived this and I've been there, done, I got the t-shirt. I mean, I studied to become a chartered accountant and was an FD for 10 years. And, yeah. and in that process, I felt I broke the mold. I felt I was not a good accountant, but I loved engaging with people. And I loved personal mastery and self-growth. It was, it was my addiction. It was something that I've always loved. Mm. Um, so I felt very out of place. But being in that situation and feeling that, is the beauty of why we're in this physical world. It's the beauty of our amnesia coming into this physical world because it's like mm. unwrapping this beautiful, delicious candy one step at a time, one experience at a time. And eventually we do unwrap it. And when we do, then we can reflect back and say, aha, in hindsight, that's why I had to go through all of that. So I can speak personally in my journey. I went through the whole working in business, seeing businesses, go through challenges, helping people through change, seeing businesses fail. Because it's been an impetus for me to take that pain, to take that knowledge and wisdom gained and go back now after I've accepted myself fully and actually fully realized what I'm about. I'm not, I'm not some freak accountant that didn't really fit the mold. Actually, I have other facets of myself that I need to bring in so that I can be whole but still take that wholeness now and go back into corporate and help shift leadership and leadership styles in corporate so that it's more nurturing, more energizing and more empowering because that's aligned with consciousness and what's required at this time. So to answer your question, how to find your purpose, there's no short uh, way to do it. Some people yeah. are blessed to be born with remembering and they, you know, they're knowing in their, in their journey. But most of us have the, the blessing, and it is a blessing, of having to peel away one bit of the wrapping or the onion at a time so that we can have something else to strive for and something else to be motivated about. And it isn't always motivating. It can be really shit sometimes, excuse the language. Um, you know, you've got to yeah. get into the deep trenches in the mud and like find yeah. your way through it and fight your way through it. But it's all rigged. Life is happening for you. It's all rigged to enable mm. you to stand fully in your power that's already inherently in you. As you're speaking, I'm just thinking about how people will go through life and they will know what it is they have to do to make their heart sing, but they don't do it because they are just sitting with this fear. What if I actually can't make money from this? So what if I will never be successful with this? So they just sit with this thing. And I'm thinking that it's like, you know, you're wanting to eat this ice cream, but if you don't eat it, eventually sometime in the future, you will want to eat the ice cream. So if you don't live your purpose in this lifetime, if you do choose to come back again, then you're going to have to basically try to live that purpose in a, in another mm -hmm. life. So as much as you can, whatever it is that your heart is asking you to do, do so that we don't have to be stuck in the cycle of life as well as death, you know, so that we can escape from this uh, cycle. You know? Yes, um, exactly. Yeah. But and, speaking and about just, death. Um, yes, yes, yes. Just, just to bring in before we go on to the topic of death. Um, yes. um, when that happens, when you find you want to eat the ice cream, but there's something innately that's just preventing you from doing it, you just don't have the courage and you have a whole lot of fear and, mm -hmm. you know, 
you've got to obviously push yourself to walk into the fear. But if you still can't, then there's probably some sort of energetic block that's come with you from past lives. That to your point of past lives where you've probably tried to eat the ice cream before, but maybe you fell on your face and it, uh, you know, it hit you in the face and people laughed at you. And so you carry this wound of, oh, shucks, if I eat that ice cream, I'm going to be incredibly embarrassed. And it's yeah. going to actually put me in more trouble. So it's very important that when you find that you're not able, there's something just innately that's preventing you from doing it. You have to seek the energetic help to shift what's blocking you innately. Because remember, we're not just physical beings, we're energetic beings, holistically as well. And it's important for people to start realizing and accepting this truth and realizing that healing works faster if you actually heal on the energetic side as well then it opens the flow for you to go forward. Um, I'm forgetting his name, but you know the author of um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? The, Robert Kiyosaki. Yes, 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 yes. Um, one of his videos I was watching in terms of how he opened up his way, and he came from a very um, poor background, poor background, where his father believed in, you know, you work really hard and that's the amount of money you get it, and that's the, sort of the limit. And then he had a friend's dad that taught him, no, actually, there's no limits. So hence the rich dad, poor dad comparison. But um, in one of his videos, he openly talks about doing your inner work. Doing your clearing is the word he uses. And that's what he, he means. He's talking about this embracing your energetic self and doing your clearing, your energetic clearing. Because the more you clear, the more you naturally, things just flow. It opens up your way and your opportunities. You then become more aligned with your purpose and it becomes easier mm -hmm. to walk the life and more fulfilling as it's meant to be for everyone. Speaking about money, and I know that we were supposed to talk about death, but we will get there towards the end anyway. Um, but I just want to openly share, let me share with everybody as, as well as you, that I feel that what makes my heart sing, what makes me feel more alive than anything, what really makes me jump out of the bed is to speak and to write and to have these, these type of conversations. However, I've written eight books. I've done a few talks, a few workshops. But what I'm struggling with, and maybe it is, and you can tell me that I have a, a, a block, but why is it that my purpose or what I feel is my purpose very strongly, is not bringing in the pumpkin. I won't say bacon. It's the pumpkin. <laughs> why is that not bringing in the money? Um, why am I earning money through other sources? It's like really just being an accountant, as you were, or maybe are. But the bulk of my money is coming from some other type of work. Whereas I want to be, uh, I, I want to be paid handsomely for my speaking and my writing. Why am I not doing it? And I'm asking the question for me, but I think there's a lot of people out there that are making an effort to walk in their purpose, to do what makes their heart sing, but they may not be earning from that. Why do you think that is happening? So uh, Hitesha gave money is probably the biggest catalyst for spiritual growth. Because, you know, money firstly carries a huge amount of emotions associated with it. Mm. So the first underlying emotion that's associated with it is 
most people, unless you're born into like rich dad, poor dad, unless you're born into a family that has wealth and it's abundantly there, it's a case of, I don't know what I don't know. So it's hard for you to put that lens into your persona, into your belief system that actually money's easy to come by and you don't have to work hard for it. Um, the key fundamental thing, and I'll speak personally, my journey, even though I was an accountant, I was brilliant at managing other people's money, but with my own money, from my childhood, there were lots of scars associated with money. And funnily enough, it was something that I was meant to experience as a soul because you know, I have a sister that's older than me, five years older, and when I've spoken to her about the money wounds that I gained from our childhood, she thinks I'm insane. She wonders which house I grew up in, why? Because she's five years older, she had a different experience that she was meant to take from the life and childhood. And I had to take this wound associated with money. So I, money is, requires a lot of work to get down to the root of what is holding me back from loving myself enough to believe that I deserve to have money in my life and I can have the beautiful life experiences. So the relationship between money and self-love is a direct relationship. Mm. And, you know, lots of spiritual people associate money with, oh, you know, it's negativity because it's rich that abused everyone else and, you know, all of that. And so there's a, already a negative connotation with money. But it's got nothing to do with money. Money is just another energy form. It's got to do with all of the emotions that are attached to money. So it does boil down to doing a lot of inner work and healing whatever holds you back from fully believing that you deserve to earn all the money in the world. Because coming back to the thing that we are all source in this soul, we're all born with the energetic imprint that we can, we're infinite and we can attract anything infinitely. But like a tea bag, you know the filter on the tea bag, if your filter on your tea bag is muddy and clogged, the quality of the tea that you have in a cup is going to be air. It's going to be awful. So the more you heal yourself, the more you clear that tea bag, and the more you enable the beautiful life experiences to come your way. So it is about getting deep down and dirty with your belief system. What in, innately within you prevents you from believing that you deserve a whole lot of money? And the work is something that continues over a while. Course, I have to yeah. say, um, I did a course um, with Lee Harris. It's something that he was doing called Owning Your Value mm. um, on the internet, online. And it's been beautiful because you don't realize, well, I certainly didn't realize as a child, you know, wounds aside, just being surrounded by people that didn't have a lot of money. I didn't believe that I was meant to have a lot of money. And it's all of those formative beliefs that hold you back when you get into the world of an entrepreneur like you that wants to earn money from a spiritual perspective. So it's a, it's a minefield. There's a lot to go through and a lot to mine. I think even if you had to make $1 million, there's still something stopping you from making $10 million. There's still some kind of limitation that you have that stops you from actually getting there. And even if you get to that 10 million, there's still something stopping you from getting to that, say, $100 million. So there's always something just to overcome. So life is, is a journey where you're always working and doing the work and 
just trying to process um, you have I know to, that. And, and you mm-hmm. find even, sorry to interrupt you, you find even some people that win a lot of money, just say you're going to win the jackpot, right? Yeah. And um, 10 million rand immediately, you've won. And mm. you often find that those people, whilst they now have a lot of money, they also have a lot of different problems coming their way. Yeah. Why? Because energetically and emotionally, they haven't done the work to get themselves yeah. to a state of innately knowing, hey, I deserve this. And it doesn't mean that if I have money, people are going to come and take it away or I need to give it away. Actually, this is cool. This is good. I deserve it. Wow. Mm. I love myself enough. This is a beautiful life experience. I'm going to have beautiful experiences. But most people aren't at that emotional state. So that's why the experience becomes one that isn't so good if they are in a situation where they win a lot of money. It's a a true emotional connection, self-worth and money, direct relationship. Yes. Correct, correct. I know that um, Dr. D. Martini says your self-wealth is equal to your self-worth. I know that, that uh, he also shares that as well. Yeah. So emotions. I know that emotions are the energy that is in motion in our body. And I like to think of emotions as an alarm system where it brings your attention to some part of your being that does require some healing. But I think we kind of answered this question in a way, or we, we just touched on it. But what are, some of, what are some of the emotions that we carry that block our wellness and that block our abundance? I know one is definitely fear. But yeah, what else? Um, so the first thing that comes up, I love emotions. Emotions is my playing field. And I think because to the point of our purpose being our journey, I grew up in a home where people were very emotional, very comfortable with expressing emotions very loudly and, you know, all of that. So it made me feel comfortable with the the emotions that people call that are bad, you know, the anger and the shouting and whatever. I was Mm. great. Emotions, most people are taught that there's bad and good emotions. And most people are taught mm. through life experiences, you know, like a little child, don't cry. Mm. Or you need to be strong. Don't show your tears. So automatically that associates crying, uh, grief, fear, anxiety, or depression, all of that with negative emotions. But there is no such thing as a negative emotion. It's a paradigm that needs to shift. There's the truth that emotions are triggers. And I'm so glad you, you called it out. Emotions are actually the key to people because if we say life is happening for us and every experience is a mirror, the key, the trigger that's meant to be clicking within us, if we're present enough, is the emotions that are coming within us. And to say, okay, what do I need to do with that emotion? How do I heal it? And um, so from an emotional perspective, um, I have something, I work from a healing perspective. I work on something called divine healing, which is, a tool that I've studied through the UK and it's actually I studied various healing modalities but I find that divine healing is able to cut through multiple layers of emotional blocks simultaneously and in terms of an onion if you look at the onion and the layers it's able to cut through multiple layers simultaneously and so with that enables more release and enables more healing but the, to come back to your question, the emotions that block people, first, it's the mindset that there's bad emotions. Secondly, it's pain, grief, you know, anything that's perceived to cause 
physical pain or trauma are emotions that block people. There's this child children's movie called Inside Out, which talks about the emotions. And it says that sadness is the precursor to joy. So initially sadness was being pushed out. But even the negative emotions are data that should be dealt with because all of those emotions are what precursors to the beautiful emotions and the beautiful experiences. So instead of letting those so-called negative emotions block us, fear, sadness, grief, all of that, anxiety, capture it, understand why you have it, journal it, go for healing, open the way so that you can allow the other emotions to come in. So you have to feel all of these emotions and not fight them, to fully, to fully welcome them and, uh, and just not to resist them, but to own them and then heal from there. Because I'm sure it's not just one, one kind of emotion and it, and it, it actually varies mm -hmm. from person to person. Mm -hmm. So we are approaching the hour of our conversation. Um, but it felt like we would only be talking for five minutes. It's, uh, I would, I would, I would, I would love to actually talk to you again sometime, but for this conversation, I, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Uh, I just want to end the, this conversation by talking about death and this maybe can be an entire, an entire conversation on its own actually, but what do you believe happens when we die? Mm. So I do believe that um, our energy pulls out of our physical body. So the soul pulls out of our physical body. And I do believe that the soul goes back um, to infiniteness. Um, I've also read the book, Many Lives, Many Masters. Um, and it talks to, it's, it's a really good book to read because it talks to what happens after death. And the fact that you go into, according to the book, you go into this, this firstly healing space where you heal some of the trauma that you might have experienced and you review your life and, you know, you reassess with your guides, um, how you've done in terms of the lessons that you were meant to learn, etc. And once you're out of the healing and the review, then you go back and you join the collective. Um, that was a beautiful thing to imagine that, you know, everyone gets back together again and it's all love and beauty and harmony, etc. Um, in my, my belief, I do believe that we go back to oneness, we go back to source. And, um, and from there, we decide in terms of what the next steps are going to be as a soul. Because mm -hmm. life is about experiencing and learning lessons, etc. And then moving on to, you know, other lives, etc. And other forms of incarnation. So I do believe yeah. we go back. Just, I have to say, something popped into my head. Um, there was a, there's a fear that um, death can be very painful. So most people fear death incredibly because they fear suffering. Again, suffering is something that no one wants to go through. And if you, if you think of it, there are a lot of people that are able to have pleasant crossings. And there are some people that have traumatic crossings. But however, even in those traumatic moments, what happens is that you become so present, you know, it's, it's almost like if you imagine if you've ever been in a car accident, Akesha, and it feels like time goes, you know, it becomes slower and yeah. things become slow. 
that's what happens when you're in a traumatic process as well. You become so present that time slows down and the physical impact of pain actually doesn't happen because you're so present in the moment. It is a memory that brings through pain. But quite often you'll hear people, if you ever watch um, or listen to people that have crossed over, you'll hear about them talking about where they could see what was happening, but it was like they were hovering over the situation. Because you connect fully with your soul at that point. So the physical pain is not something that actually is experienced by your soul. Yeah. You're there to just watch the exit. And death is more about the message and the impact you leave for those around you. And less about what you're going through. It's all predefined and pre-agreed. And it's the message and impact you're leaving for those around you. Like this beautiful soul that lost his life through this violence in America. It's the impact that's rippled on through the world and created this cause that's caused everyone to focus on equality again across the skin color. So death is very much about the impact that's left for those remaining that's going to enable a more powerful shift going forward. Yeah. Does that answer your question? It does, it does, it does, it does. But it also answers some other question that I, that I may have had or have been thinking for a long time, like why do we have to actually die? You know, can't we all like say goodbye properly knowing that on this date we are going to be leaving in the same way that we have to um, just take a flight? Can't we know, okay, in this, on this date, this person is going to leave. It just would make things easier. But yeah, even, even death has a purpose, you know, it, uh, mm allows us to experience all these kinds uh, of uh, emotions. I have a very, very, very depressing um, view. And uh, I say depressing because it's not exciting that when you die, you're going to meet your aunties and your uncles and your mom and your dad and your dog. You know, everyone wants to have that view that this is what, they, you know, they're going to meet the people that have... Uh, that have actually passed way before them. I don't, my view is that uh, I don't think you do that. And the thing with answering, asking the question, what happens when you die, is that there is no one answer and nobody really knows the truth. And very quickly, I'll just share that my view is that this is not real, this reality. It's like almost like we are just plugged in into this. Uh, into, into this virtual reality space. And then once we die, we kind of unplug. And then we don't, and when, when we go to the other side, we actually don't recognize the other people. So then we become real strangers again. It's like, you know, going um, into a chat room and you're talking to people, you're chatting and you have this uh, face of, you know, you put up this avatar, which is like a, a human body kind of thing, face looking thing. <laughs> But once you close the chat and you go into the real world, even though you had this hour-long conversation with this human being, when you walk into the street, you'll be like, just walking past them. You don't recognize them. That's what I feel happens when you die. You just go there and you're like, you know, these other beings are there and you like maybe make new friends <laughs> there. And, you know, you, I don't know, that's just my crazy mind and the way, <laughs> the way I think oh, I it's, it. it's, it's great. <laughs> I love you. it. it, it does, um, you are questioning the fundamental principle of unity consciousness, that we're all one. 
So you're essentially questioning, you know, is that the truth? Are we really all one? Or do we go back into our own energetic bubbles and we just float around and maybe we meet someone we want to interact with more with? Uh, so that's a conversation for another day, I think. But, <laughs> of course. Um, yeah. But from a unity I, I, consciousness perspective, yeah. it, it, if you believe in that principle, then you'll believe and understand the perspective that we go back to be unity again when, um, when mm. we've done our work. I do believe that as well, but what if there's layers? So, I mean, mm. we, we think from here, we go straight to there, but actually there's, you know, there's level one, level two, level three, level four. Eventually oh. you, have to, you have to move your way up each floor and each floor is a different yes. experience and each, each floor you have a different body, you know, and then you add, that's yes. probably yes. how yes. it works. There's truth to that as well, yeah. Yeah. Diru, what an incredible session what an amazing conversation what a beautiful being you are thank you so much for making time to have a conversation with us for sharing openly and uh, thank you thank you thank you it's been a real real wonderful conversation i and i really enjoyed it thank you thank you so much i'm very honored to be here i really loved engaging with you and i look forward to um whomever wins the session with me and um uh, Blessing them with a free channeling session. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for so you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. So if you want to win that free session with Thiru, my question to you is, according to Thiru, what is your life purpose? She did mention something and you don't have to be 100% on the button, but leave your comment or leave your answer in the in in the comment section below and we'll and uh, uh maybe you will contact them Thiru, with the uh, the winner or you yes will announce the yes, winner yes 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 great absolutely you and i can chat about how we arrange that of course yeah, of course yes thank you for watching and thank you for listening to this week's episode of in conversation with the masters so until next time bye now